What's up, everybody? Welcome into your Friday, October 7th edition. This is the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. And we are going to have, I think, a pretty fun episode here. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. If you missed yesterday's episode, I uh, unfortunately had a situation where Jordan Zerman and I couldn't connect. So we were unable to get through, and I wanted to still post something for you guys. So I went ahead and posted um, you know, the OBR Weekly Show, which I think uh, Fred and Barry do a great job on that. So check that out if you'd like. If you'd like to hear a different voice than my own uh, at some point, that's always a, an option. So go back and check that one out. The OBR site, we got some great stuff up, including a fun roundtable on looking ahead already at what positions we feel like the Browns need most, because that is certainly uh, worth discussing, in my opinion, positions the Browns need most because they're showing up already this this uh, this year through four games. Uh, that That's a fun read. And then there's an analytics preview of this weekend, which we'll get to uh, in this episode. We're going to bring in John Colosimo for our usual Friday spot. And we have a lot to talk about, John. What's up, man? How are you? How's life? Uh, just busy, busy, man. Uh, just trying to do one day at a time here. And I'm uh, uh, sitting here at, almost at the end of my week. I got Iron Maiden tomorrow in Columbus. Ooh. I'm excited about um, you know, and uh, I'm sitting here watching paint dry, aka the uh, Thursday night football. But that's where I'm at right now. Uh, I know you're busy as well, but um, that's basically how the how life's going, man. I feel like October's up there for busiest months of the year. You get the 31 days. You get, it's just it just is like the kickoff of Q4 for a lot of. It's just busy. It's busy, man. So, um, yeah, there's a lot to still discuss here with the NFL, and I think. We should always, like I said, I always try to give you a chance to sort of put the bow on the final, or sorry, the week before. So is there anything you've either read or seen or have a thought about, uh, something that has mattered from this past weekend you want to dig into? Yeah, I mean, I, there's certainly no real reason to bring up uh, fourth down calls. That's that's getting its rounds uh, all week. So, But I, I will say I ran into a quote from Woods today that probably said more than any of the you know, interviews or questions that people have had on, on defensive breakdowns so far this year. Uh, what do he say? He goes, uh, he said he's reduced the amount of two call plays to try and minimize the miscommunication on defense that's resulted in some of these bone coverages. Said the guys pick verbal communications or hand signals, and they've been doing a good job at cleaning those issues up. Lots to unpack there. Um, so what I when I hear that I think one thing. So I think that what they pro, what he means by that, and what I think people are not totally understanding, is that he means checks. Usually, what will happen is if a team's if a team comes out in a certain look, they will have a check based on if they're in empty, if they're in whatever. There's always a check, right? Like. Uh, because certain coverages usually don't match up as well as you would like with others. So you have a check, like if a team comes out and empty and you're maybe in cover three, hey, we, we checked the quarters on this. Or if you're in cover six and you get a three by one uh, look, you you want to check out of that. We go to, we check to uh, cover two at that point. Like what I mean is usually to certain looks, there will be auto checks that happen. So I think that's what he's kind of getting at on that one. It's not necessarily like, hey, here's two true defensive play calls. You guys sort it out. I don't think that's the case, but um, I think a lot of people have sort of taken it that way. So what I think, again, is that check stuff, though, if somebody doesn't recognize, John, that it is an empty look, right, they might not catch the the change, right? Or they might not check uh, catch the check that was made by somebody at the at the line with a hand signal or something of the sort. So... That I think that they're saying is we're going to lock in quarters, right? We're going to lock in 
whatever coverage, we're going to lock it in and we're not going to change it. And I think that's something they felt inclined to do just because of the situation they're dealing with where they just can't get it right. And again, it can be verbal. It can be hand signals. Usually if you're on the road or home, it's loud. You, you sure. like to have hand signals there. And I don't think it's bad to let the players pick the hand signals personally. So I, I think that quote on the surface sounds strange to a lot of people, but it's really not that strange because it can get to the point where uh, teams will have like, okay, think about the Browns, for example, John, who, who come out in 13 personnel and they'll come out with three tight ends left all, you know, two guys in a wing, one guy at the line, then they'll shift to empty. And it's like, well, you can't stay in the same coverage <laughs> and that look versus empty. It's just impossible. So there are checks to be made. I think what the Joe Woods is saying is we're peeling back the number of checks that we have to make this as easy as possible for our guys. You still have to have some because of the example I just gave, but I think they're pulling it back, which is a good thing. We didn't notice any coverage bust. Now you will get mad and say, well, there was a coverage bust on the Zacchaeus 42 yard catch. That wasn't on a DB. I'm a 98% positive. They don't pass that off. And that's on a robot linebacker. It's three deep, three under, and their linebacker has to run under it. He has to seek it out. Jacob Phillips. I'm looking at you seek <laughs> it out and run under it. So um, I think I'm, I'm fairly positive. That's what they do. Cause there was an example of JOK doing that exact technique in a similar coverage look earlier in the game. So right. um, yeah, that's where I'm kind of at. I don't think it's that crazy uh, in, in general um, to say it the way he said, I just don't think people understand some of the nuance of what he might mean by that and why it's not that weird. It's, it's really just meant to simplify the guys not even having to say like, Hey, if we're going to cover three lock, that means we're locking in three and we're not changing. That's different. Right. You know? So um, whatever it takes, I don't care, man. I don't care if they wear wristbands. I don't care if they tap their helmet. I don't care if they bark at each other, whatever that means to get you all on the same page is it right. So, um, that's kind of what I take away from it. Do you, do you have anything on that? Do you think I'm right? Or do you think it's it, Joe would mean something different by it? No, I think you're right on the checks part. I, you know, I'm more keyed in on that second piece, which was, you know, talking about players choice on, um, on how they're delivering that information that to me kind of, I was kind of layering that in with some of these, these um, quotes, the, the spicier quotes maybe, or, or non comments that, that we've gotten out of the DBs um, after these blown coverages. And uh, so I, you know, you do have to, especially if you're a zone team, you, you're going to have to have these checks. I mean, cause you know, every, every zone coverage has got a beater for it. So, you know, um, you have to have checks. Um, what he's, what's going on with the communication? Obviously, there's been some communication problems. Whether or not that's, you know, they're using hand signals and you know somebody's not looking for it, doesn't see it, or or if it's just a brain farts, I don't know. You know, it might not have anything to do with real communication in terms of um, making these checks. Um, it may just be somebody just blowing what their assignment was. So I don't know. That's, that's the part I keyed in on and you're probably right. It's, you know, it's, um, it's probably just a little bit more overblown than you could. And it's just a sensitive subject. (laughs) It is. It is a bit of a sensitive subject. There's no doubt about that. Um, well let's, let's shift to the other question I think is kind of looming out there, which is the Kevin Stefanski should give up play calling. I will never understand it, John. My point is very simple. While I do understand that, he is, uh, they, they could be better at some of the smaller attention to detail things as far as guys understanding situational football, guys understanding not to catch a, a punted ball at the 10-yard line and let it roll down to the one and down it at the one or 
uh, attention to detail and some other things. I feel like some of those things that people are talking about being ready are more Monday through Saturday things and not things on a Sunday. So like, again, just my opinion on this scenario, Kevin's best thing, why he got hired was that ultimately he was a great play caller. And I still think he is. He had a bad week last week in one scenario that is goal line scenario, but I think he's a great play caller in general and pulling him away from that and giving it to a less experienced coach and Van Pelt as the dominant voice as the play caller seems like making what is a really nice positive all of a sudden now a net neutral or negative. And that to me, and Kevin's not just going to fix the defense. He's going to have an opinion on it. He's given thoughts on it already played secondary at the college level. He knows it. He's coached on the defensive side of the football through his NFL career at certain various points. Like he gets it, but like, I, that's what I just don't understand why you would want to take what he does best and then, and then take away that overall positive. Like, I think the thing you could argue is that he needs to, as the year wears on or more than likely at the end of the year, make some hard decisions on friends of his, mm-hmm. whether his guys he really has liked and coached with and grown with are his best sources down the line. Like he needs a CEO of the defense. I don't know if Joe Woods is a CEO of the defense type. Uh, not sure on that one. So remains to be seen and prefer you can, you can guess where my opinion is on that. But um, you know, I just don't think that people think, okay, so you want Kevin to just kind of be standing there on the sidelines and just kind of chirping in on the offense every now and again and counting up special teams players. And like, I just, I, I just don't get that, man. I don't know, but I could be wrong and I'm willing to be told I'm wrong. If you think, if you think otherwise. No, it's extremely stupid. It's, it's a stupid <laughs> idea. The you know I don't understand and in particularly dumb when you consider the the performance of the offense um, given the um, the personnel that they have. Sure, they've got Chubb and they've got um, a great offensive line and you know, but um, you know the what they do uh, with their running game is not just you know throw the the players forward. I mean, they have creative schemes and they do excellent things in that, in that regard. It's not, you know, they don't have the greatest set of wide receivers in the, uh, in the NFL. They, you know, they're working with a career backup quarterback and getting more out of him than anybody else has previously. Um, this offense is largely succeeding. So you, you see people bring this up like for any reason, um, like if the defense blows a call, what is, what is he going to do about that? Do you want him to like helicopter dad, Joe Woods over there on his defense? That's some stupid stuff. Do you want him focusing on special teams? You know, like it would be different, you know, if, if he was blowing stuff like time management, yeah. uh, like things like that, where he never has had a problem. He has never had a problem with um, those types of things <clears throat> that maybe, you know, those are the kind of things I kind of see people then maybe you could make a good point where, you know, I've seen some coaches just be so focused and into the play calling that um, there's other things like these time management, understanding situational football, all those kind of things that, that kind of go by the wayside and they need assistance to help them with that and, and whatever. And I'm not, you know, I'm, I, I say get all the help that you can that makes sense without putting any, too many cooks in the kitchen. But it just doesn't make any sense given the, uh, the, the state of the team. Um, that you would pull him away from play calling and nobody has, I, I just don't understand it. It's such a spacey galaxy brained idea um, that I don't understand what people want, except for they just, you know, they want to, they want somebody to, to blame. They want somebody to fix something. You know, they'll, they'll go to that. Well, he's the head coach. Ultimately it's his job, but you've already made the real point here. You know, what, what we want to see out of Kevin is, you know, is he going to be able to make the tough decision if he's got guys um, who 
and that very may, well may be the case here um, with Joe Woods and, um, and uh, maybe uh, less so Joe Woods. We'll see. we got a long season ahead to find out. But, like, Prefer, we're not getting our money's worth out of that guy. Um, and uh, I hope that he's able to make a decision on that and we're just not dealing with this kind of people telling us he's we have a good special teams coach like Tabor and like he stays on the staff somehow for 15 years. Um, I hope he's able to make those are the kind of decisions and those happen generally speaking in the off season, you know, that, that isn't something you need to pull him away from something he's genuinely good at um, so that he can go, uh, you know, talk about the hands team on kickoff, get the fuck out of here. You know? <laughs> I'm just not seeing that. Yeah. He does need to give those things attention Monday through Saturday, like I said, and that could be an issue. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm not saying you disagree with me there at all, but like, to me, it doesn't, it's just, it's just making up something to make it up because you're frustrated. They didn't score a couple times in the red zone, which I agree. I am too. And, it, but it's just, it's just, it's such a strange vibe to me. I think so it's, I, just, I think it comes ahead. down to like people, like there's a ton of people that are super myopic, right? They're watching the Browns. It's all they watch really. Maybe they watch Monday night football, Maybe they watch a little bit of Thursday night football. Um, maybe they got the late game on, you know, in peripheral, but they're, you know, it's, they get myopic and they don't, you know, people who don't really understand what is commonplace and what is like, they, they seem to lose sight of the baseline of what, you know, what is common in the NFL, what is uncommon in the NFL. And I don't know, that's, I just, I just see myopic fandom sometimes when it comes to that stuff like i, I do too man i do too i think you're saying the right things and i just i won't i just refuse i can't see it any other way i'm asking for opinions i've yet to hear somebody give me a good one on that so anyway we're going to take our first break of the day and we will be right back and then we're going to jump into a fun a hypothetical question and then around the afc north as we always do we'll be right back no house advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform today Playing pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning 250k in cash alone. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb your leaderboard for a shot to win big money every single day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player props, even those over/unders or individual player matchups across. Every major sports league, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up with this promo code, which is very simply for the fans of this podcast, OBR. Use that promo code OBR at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the App Store and get a first deposit match up to $25. So again, promo code OBR. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. Again, that promo code, OBR, nohouseadvantage.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so at the time of recording this podcast, it is 10-10 here on Thursday night as we release this before Friday. It's a 6-6 game. Um, in uh, Denver in the midway through the third quarter. And I'm just telling you, man, watching both of these offenses, it feels like expansion teams. They're bad. They're really bad. And I know that there are some pieces missing on both sides, uh, the running back situation and, and uh, both sides are missing players. And I get that, but this is ugly. And I'm particularly interested in the two quarterbacks because these are two guys who could have very well ended up in Cleveland. Cleveland t- multiple times has gone hard after Russell Wilson didn't get him. Um, and then obviously Matt Ryan was when the Browns were eliminated from the Deshaun Watson situation. When we thought they were, it was Matt Ryan was like the guy that everyone thought they'd go after and they might have, but both of them look really terrible and both of them are older. And it to me is, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I think Matt Ryan would be better here than he is in Indy because of all of the circumstances around the quarterback. He's, he's, he's been really good in this exact specific system before. Sure. So while he, he is struggling, and I think he's tied for the NFL lead with six interceptions right now. I do think he'd be better here. How, I mean, you know, is he better than Jacoby Brissett? I don't think so right now, but better than what he's doing in, in, uh, in Indy. But uh, the, then you have Russell Wilson, who's been really bad through the first you know few weeks of the season. Here we're we, this is week five now, and it's like as we sit here, and I know nothing is to the same today as it is tomorrow, and things could change on a dime. But I mean, I think I'd rather have one year of Matt Ryan than seven years of Russell Wilson, who's thirty three. Like I, I don't know how that gets that much. But I mean, they have Jerry Judy, they have uh, Cortland Sutton. They look they look more explosive with Drew Locke. I mean, I don't. <laughs> I don't really get it, man. I don't really get it. And it's like, I just, if I were a Denver fan, I would be really uncomfortable with where this all is. Now, again, things can change. They can figure things out. He's not locked into who he is, but I'm uncomfortable with that. I'm really uncomfortable with that. And then you watch Matt Ryan as a Browns fan, as somebody who was a serious contender for his services. It's like, yeah, I'm good on that too. So weird, but I I would imagine you're in the same boat as me. Like I would not want, Whatever Russell Wilson is these days, I don't think I'd want that for seven years. And then the person's a good person and he's corny as all get out. But like, I just don't think I'd want that player for seven years, man. Oh, yeah. These subway commercials, um, the the yelling on the sideline, the, uh, you know, pass, uh, pass run like he's in high school. Um, You know, and then you're talking about all that guaranteed money. You got a talented roster. you know, and I think you, yeah. So, uh, you know, to answer that question, a hundred percent, I'd rather be in a position where um, I've got Matt Ryan for one than uh, than seven years of this. But you did hit on something that I didn't think of when we rushed on this uh, before the show, which was, <clears throat> you know, and and it relates to the last segment, which is look at these teams, guys. You know, look at these teams and tell me, you know that. You know, they, they're not bereft of talent. You're talking both of these guys have receiver talent. You know, you got Quentin Nelson. They have offensive lines. They're talented teams. They're more talented teams than a lot of, you know, previous Browns teams that, that were put together. There's no cohesion in the offensive systems here. 
you know, when you talk about, you know, criticizing Kevin Stefanski for his play calling and how they run this system, watch this Thursday night game. I dare you. Like, you know, uh, Clockwork Orange style, peel your eyes open and watch this 60 minutes of awful football. And, you know, this is what you're talking about when you, you know, complain about what you have in Stefanski. Neither of these systems looks in any way coherent or like they're doing anything with a purpose. It, it looks really, really bad. So, yeah, just wanted to make that point. It's very bad. It, it is altogether a very bad look right now uh, for both of those teams. And I think again, both these guys would look better in Cleveland than they do in either of these systems. You know, yeah. they really do. Looks like Russell Wilson found a 51-yard throw, so he's now up to 100, 138 yards late in the third quarter here. That's complete. Um, yeah, yeah, man. I, I really, I really don't know. I, I really don't know. I'm just glad to not have to think yes. about that. I guess yes. is the way to put it, right? So, um, anyway, um, let's shift to the AFC North, where there's a there's a huge division game uh, this week for Week Five. We have. Uh, Baltimore and Cincy. It's an 8:20 Sunday night football game. Uh, Cincinnati's traveling to Baltimore. Uh, we'll get your thoughts on that in a second. We're going to start with the one and three Steelers at the three and one Bills. I, I, again, I think we're here, man. We arrived at where we thought we would arrive a year late, um, but the injury luck has flipped on Pittsburgh a little bit, and their offense is anemic, and they're destined to be a four and thirteen, five and twelve team, maybe, and have a high draft pick for the first time in a long time. How high that draft pick is, we'll see. But they're going through the ringer their next few. We thought that Kenny Pickett, we and you and I had that discussion on Kenny Pickett just um, not too long ago. Uh, but but yeah, I don't I don't I don't know, man. I don't have a great feel for where that thing is going. So uh, I'm interested in your opinion a little bit of uh, where you think it's going and uh, with Pickett because Pickett was okay in his his work. I mean, there was a couple interceptions that were really fluky of the three. One of them was a bad late throw that got that at the test sideline got tipped. He shouldn't even have thrown it. The other one was a hail Mary situation very, very late in the game, uh, the final seconds. And then a jump ball to Claypool that Claypool bobbled around and uh, got intercepted off a tip. So I didn't think it was bad, but it just, this is what we want, man. We want them to try to figure out, is he good or is he bad? And let that take a little while, right? Let that, let that take a little while is my opinion on it. So um, it's got to be close to a best case scenario for us uh, in terms of the timing for their bad season. Right. Because uh, just uh, having drafted Kenny Pickett. um, So they're unlikely to take a quarterback with in a quarterback rich draft to, to in some respects, Uh, you know, I wouldn't say it's like crazy deep, but I mean, there's some talented quarterbacks coming out, especially versus last year, which was, I mean, in the rookie era, historic in terms of a lack of interest in the quarterback class. So um, pretty good timing for the Browns that they're going to get shoved up in the top of the um, first. Uh, They're not a team that trades down. Um, So um, they're going to take a non-quarterback with one of their highest picks that they've had in a while. And I'm I'm pretty okay with that. So um, we hope they do. We hope they don't get extremely intelligent and switch that up on us. Right. Because they could in theory, try to jump up and take a quarterback like Stroud or, or, or Young or whatever. But uh, to a larger uh, point, I'm with you, man. I think that they're in a weird spot, and I don't see it getting much better for them. I, I really don't. They're, they're not, not – if their offensive structure was good and, and they, you could see them grow, I just don't see it. I just really don't see it. So, um, yeah, I'm going to kind of leave it at that. 
I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, so two and two Cincy and, and Baltimore, I guess we should put out there how we feel that game is going to go. Uh, Baltimore is only trailed. You talk about fan bases who should be upset, much like Cleveland is uh, rightfully upset for not being 4-0. Baltimore also rightfully feels like they should be 4-0. Tougher slate of games, of course, but they've only been trailing for 14 seconds in the whole year, my friend, and they are 2-2, two and two, and they've let some slip, and there have been some infighting and things of that nature. So I'm just curious your uh, your thoughts on what things have looked like for these two teams and where you think this one goes on Sunday because it's got a chance to be really interesting. Yeah, I think that this could be um... – this could be a great game to kind of try and figure out where these guys are. You know, um, Baltimore, their defense hasn't been playing well. The, uh, the offense hasn't had a lot of cohesion, but Lamar is, you know, in his bag for most of this. I mean, obviously we got the, the interception last week, but it was <clears throat> unfortunate, but he's still having a great year. Um, since he starts out rough, obviously, and then, um, but they've been trending the right way. You know, we had talked, I think a week or maybe uh, two weeks ago about, um, certain styles of quarterbacks and, you know, changing up their, their way of playing. Um, and Joe's sack numbers have, you know, sank into the basement, which I didn't think I'd see at least not this quickly. Um, so they've been kind of um, fixing some of the, their, their issues there. They're without DJ reader, the, you know, it should be a very interesting game. You know, I, I had said, I think we were, I think we both respected these teams, but you know, we're on just, a hair different um, where we saw um, these two. Um, so I guess we get to find out in this game um, where these two teams are at. Um, it could be a high scoring. I, th- I feel like it's going to be a high scoring game, a lot of fun to watch. And uh, I'm not sure exactly how that's going to go. I feel like maybe, uh, maybe since you know, given what they're doing, I don't know. I feel like they're trending a little bit better. Um, but Baltimore, you, you, you gotta think that they're going to be in it the whole time. I can't see this as blowout one way or the other. So, um, to me, it's, it's almost like, uh, I'm going to take it as a, a class session, you know, and, uh, learn more about both these two teams rather than stick my neck out and predict on this one personally. I'm with you. It's got, it's got a chance to be a really. It's got a chance to be a. It's a. It's a coin flip. I. I don't know. I. I, I guess like with these two, Baltimore's not running it as well, and Lamar's putting up a high percentage of their total yardage in general. Uh, but he's always sort of handled Cincinnati uh, from his side. The Bengals' offense dominated Cincinnati or do, dominated Baltimore last year a couple times. So, um, I don't really know how that's going to look. But I. I man, I'm really fascinated by it. I think these. This could be. This could tell us who the early favorite in the division is. So, that should be a really good one. I don't have a prediction for it. I really don't. I, it's it's very much a coin flip. Cincinnati has started to sort of slowly figure out. Hey, we should probably stop being in the gun all the time and get some deception <laughs> and get under center a little bit. They've done that and had some more success recently. And Baltimore's had some coverage issues with their new defensive coordinator, and that you know that could be a problem. But they're not playing that man to man stuff as often as what got him in trouble against Cincy last year. And you know with Cincy, man, you got to just make them work for explosives. Make them work up and down the field. That's the thing you want to do. Don't yep. don't give them explosives. So, okay, we'll be right back, and then we will uh, wrap up with how we think the Browns have to play to beat the Chargers, as we always do. So one last break, and we will return. Okay, quickly we close, John, on how the Browns beat the Chargers. So I have not totally seen who's in or out for the Chargers this week in terms of the injury report, but... Um, 
you know, big names that are already out uh, and at least dinged up. I'm not sure what Keenan Allen looks like for this Sunday. Uh, Obviously a huge part of their receiving situation. We know Slater, Rashawn Slater, their left tackle is out for the year. So that matters if Miles is coming back uh, significantly for just altering their general game plan because you got to account for Miles every single snap. Clowney says he might play. We'll see what that looks like, but that would be huge. He did not play last year when they went out in LA. If you recall, he had a pregame injury of some kind, a knee uh, that that held him out of that one. So uh, he's not playing. Um, Otherwise, uh, I don't think, I don't think the uh, Chargers have any other big issues uh, going on that we don't already know about. I'll try to keep tabs on that and have a better answer for you guys this weekend as you listen to pods, but you know, West Coast to East Coast, a team that gave up a significant amount of rushing yards last week. And we know how prodigious Cleveland has been with over 160 yards of rushing every single week this year from just running backs, as we know they don't include the quarterback yet. But last week, um, you know, Damian Pierce, the only ball carrier for them, goes 14 carries for 131 for the Texans against the Chargers uh, and Davis Mills, uh, 26 of 35. So I think the defense is very much. Uh, you know, a team that's able to be picked apart there. But Herbert is back to himself a little bit after the rib stuff. He went 27 of 39, 340. Uh, Mike Evans was a big factor. Uh, and, uh, and then the passing game, Gerald Everett had a 61, a touchdown, and Eckler had 49 and a touchdown. So they remain very scary on offense. But I don't mind getting them here uh, where they have them, and especially the west to east stuff helps uh, a little bit too for a 1 o'clock kick, right, because that's – very early for their bodies, right? That's a tough game. So where are you at right now? What are you thinking they have to do to beat these guys? Yeah, I think that um, they're going to have to be able to put pressure on them. I mean, we should see a a very different looking defensive line, still not full strength, but um, you know, I mean, miles is miles. So um, that's that's a really big deal for them Uh, that, you know, we should be able to score some points on the team, but again, you know, the Browns just are not built to, you know, they're not really built to build up big leads without turnovers. So, you know, honestly, I think they, they need to have some turnovers because the last thing I want to see in this game is, you know, a, a one-score game um, in the fourth quarter or late in the fourth quarter with with Herbert. You know, I just don't want to see it. I don't think that um, that's a great situation for this team. Uh, the secondary seemed to, to – uh, get some of their feet under them, um, working some of those things out that was on display last week. But <clears throat> I feel like if, if the Browns are really going to win this game, I feel like they're going to win the turnover battle like by two. <laughs> yeah, us- they need, they need some stuff to go their way. I think you're, you're, you're right about that. I, I should update injury stuff. Uh, Keenan Allen didn't practice today. Um, their kicker situation, they just brought in a kicker. Hopkins is not trending to play this weekend. So they brought in a new kicker um, who's been around a lot of different places. I'm sure he'll go like eight of eight in this game, but nonetheless, mm. um, Josh Palmer, one of their talented receivers also limited with an ankle. So we'll see if he plays, but that's kind of it. The Brown side, uh, everybody that we've pretty much mentioned uh, is, is, uh, is either full or, or not going, but yeah, anyway, uh, in this one, I think you're right. I think, can they get a couple breaks, right? I felt like a lot of breaks, went to Atlanta in the most recent one, right? Like I think that that's uh, pretty obvious, at least to me, that Atlanta caught several of those uh, fortunate breaks. So um, I think can the Browns find a way to get those breaks? That That is what is going to be really interesting to me in this one. If they can get a couple of those, capitalize on their red zone opportunities, then I do think they'll have every chance to win it. And even without some breaks, I think they they have enough talent to be in this game because – 
you know, the, the Colts or sorry, the chargers, they want to throw it. Like they have Eckler and he's a nice player, but they really want to throw it. And I think they're going to really try to, to be who they are and not tweak or change too much about who they are. So, um, can you, can you, can you sort of keep everything in front of you? Cause if you recall last year when they went out there, they had a couple busts. they had a bust for a touchdown from the 30 yard line in. Um, and then they had that deep Herbert kind of uh, a boot action from the gun rolled right. And Ronnie Harrison had no clue where Mike Williams was. And it was a shot throw over his head for a huge touchdown. The Browns should have won that game. The Browns ran all over them last year. If I recall uh, a huge game from Nick Chubb and I, I'm trying to pull it up right now. I'm pretty sure that both games are in week five. Week five last year, I am correct. Oh, 47-42 yeah. is the final. So, you know, Nick went for 161 on 21 carries. Kareem went 12 for 61. The Browns went for 531 yards in that game and uh, and lost it. It may so, really help, too, that Staley's been neutered, you know, uh, whereas the, they had a – they um, they got a bunch of win percentage gained um, from some fourth down percentage or fourth down decisions that he made last year that he's just not doing this year. When um, those types of little things can help give it the edge. I mean, if you got a guy that is consistently making bad choices in that department and Kevin, you know, he's been a lot more successful. I know coming off last week, people have a, a sour taste in their mouth, but you can build up, you know, little chunks of percentage points uh, going in opposite directions in that department. So. Yeah, it's going to be extremely fascinating stuff to watch. Um, you know, like I said, because uh, it's it's at this point, can the Browns stay out of their own way? You know, the red zone stuff they were just getting in their own way. Whether the play calling was too cute or a missed assignment here or there, they had everything in place. If they, if I would love to see them just play a clean game where they stay out of their own way on both sides of the football. If they can do that, it'd be really cool to see how well they compete with somebody, right? At least. That's what I think, how well they compete with a team that matters. Because everyone just thinks, man, these guys are just, they're just not going to be able to beat anybody that's any good, and we should just fold these games. Well, I think they're going to play with everyone. The NFL is weird, and I think they're going to play with everyone on their schedule for the most part, and I expect this to be a good game. It would be an extreme letdown if the Browns no-showed it. Extreme. Now, they did that two years ago. I don't know if that was 19 or 18. I think it was 19, where the Chargers came into Cleveland in 2019, and they put it on Cleveland in that one uh, in Cleveland. It was, it was a game that a lot of people were excited about. They had just come off some bigger wins. I'm not totally sure what week that was. I don't, I don't usually have this stuff up until a little bit later in the season, but it might even have been week four, week five of that season too. They've been playing these guys so, so frequently, but the Browns have like had chances against these guys and not been able to put them away uh, for some of those bigger wins that they've, that they've really needed. So, um, uh, this is a great opportunity though. How do you, how do you feel about it? Do you feel like the chargers should be favored in this one? Or do you think Cleveland has enough to get it done? No, I think it should be pretty even game with a little bit toward, you know, a little bit toward the Browns for home field. I mean, this is a, this definitely looks a lot different than, than what I imagined when I was looking at the schedule, knowing that we were going to have Brissett, you know, uh, but not knowing anything about the team yet. Uh, and looking at what the chargers, um, we're looking at coming in with this looked like a, an easy L to put on your, um, on your predictions to start. This looks completely different to me now. Uh, this is definitely a winnable game. I, you know, again, I just, I just don't want to be in that one score situation late in the game. Uh, if we can just avoid that. Um, but we have all the tools. I mean, the, the offensive line is coming into stride. I mean, these guys can play, you know, we got Conklin back. 
Uh, Jed's playing better right now. The secondary started to put things together last week. We're getting chunks of the defensive line back. There's a lot of things that, that are trending the right way for the Browns. Um, and, and they can't really say that about the chargers right now. So, um, and they're coming, they're coming across the country to our house. So, um, yeah, I, f- I feel a lot better than I that would have if you'd asked me before week one. Me too. Me too. So that, I corrected myself. That was 2018 where the Browns no-showed at home week six. Mayfield was starting. They were playing better at that point. Um, uh, and Phillip Rivers and the gang came in. And Tyrell Williams. Oh, I do remember. Three catches for 118 and two touchdowns. I think he had, a, Baker had like a better second half, but he was getting toasted in the first. Yeah. One 22 of, of 46 for 238, a couple picks, a touchdown. So, yeah, the Browns no-showed it. They can't no-show it. It would be absolutely devastating. The fan base is a little rattled. I think the interest has been really down this week um, because I think people had this thing in their mind about having to win the first four games of the year to have a chance. I don't personally view it that way, but I think in general people are kind of down on the Browns right now because they think that they're just going to start losing. But this game would be huge to launch them into New England when New England's got this rocky quarterback situation got a real chance to win that one so um pivotal pivotal football game and they responded well after the last collapse can they respond well again after this one that's that's what we'll be paying attention to so john hey man great podcast a lot of fun stuff in this one we'll continue to have these every friday for the for the uh, obr film breakdown followers here and uh, i appreciate your time man yeah thanks for having me on again jake let's uh, have some fun to let's have some fun sunday Let's hope so. Let's hope so, man. So, yeah, thanks to John for joining you guys for showing up. I have a JOK article coming out tomorrow looking about how he's still right on the cusp of being great. It's just kind of got to figure a couple little things out, and he's going to launch uh, into the, the upper echelon of linebackers because he's still doing all those fun things. He's right where he needs to be. So wanted to highlight some of that for you. So check that out. Again, have a great Friday, guys. We will have a Chargers guest for your Behind Enemy Lines on Saturday, and then we'll be back with Brad Ward for Sunday morning discussion as we always are. Have a great Friday. Kick off to your weekend. Stay safe, be well, and go Browns.